What's going on there, Youth Pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast. How are you today? How are you doing? Hope you're feeling good. Keeping the intro short today because we have quite the interview with Adam Ehrlichman about small groups. There's lots and lots of wisdom bombs he's going to drop on you today. So be sure to grab a pad and pen or your phone so you can take notes. If you are brand new to the podcast, thank you so much for being here today. Appreciate you taking the time. And if you're a regular, as always, I appreciate your time and your attention. Before we jump into the interview, I want to remind you it's only the middle of January. It's okay if you're off to a slow start. Take a breather. And if you don't have a plan yet for your youth ministry for the year, let me recommend my youth ministry playbook. My youth ministry playbook is jam-packed with everything you need to build a successful youth ministry. It has your 2024 calendars. It has over 20 of my best youth ministry articles, a bunch of checklists, 17 forms. I throw in a bunch of eBooks that I've written, 10 Excuses Killing Your Youth Ministry, No Comment Devotional Book, 21 Days to Creating a Holy Habit of Hustle. And then I throw in some free guides like the Youth Pastor's Guide to Planning Unforgettable Trips, the Youth Pastor's Guide to Creating an Epic Nerf Night, and Launching Well, Your Guide to Launching Your Graduates. On top of that, you get my youth meeting playbook with 52 planning sheets and over a dozen articles on how to have the best youth meeting possible. And one more thing, I have also included my Squad Goals Goal Setting Course. Seven lessons, comes with a little workbook. You work through the seven audio sessions and you will be setting the goals that you want to set for 2024. If you're interested in my Youth Ministry Playbook, I will put a link down below. It is a great way to support the work that I do coaching youth workers just like you. So today I am talking with Adam Ehrlichman. He is a pastor, consultant, and best-selling author who has seen how small groups can help teens have a greater connection to the church body. And as a small group expert, Adam developed group leader training after personally walking over a thousand church small group leaders through that training. More than 15,000 group members have already been positively impacted by it. And I'm stoked to have him here today to talk to you about this small group leader training course and how it can impact your group. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Is it snowing where you are? It is. And my kids are overjoyed and thrilled. <laughs> they, they they already had the day off for Martin Luther King holiday. So, sure. you know, it's not a real snow day, but they they're excited. That's that's good. Yeah, we're about to get uh, a little bit of they'll call it uh, sleet rain, which I don't know what the difference between sleet rain and snow is. But when I see it falling out of the sky and it's freezing. I don't know. It's snow to me. So we love the weather, but I'd rather talk about small groups. Can we talk about small groups? I'd much prefer that. Yes. I hear you're pretty good at that. That's at least that's what I read in your well, in your book. So well, I, I can say that I have a immense passion for it. It's changed and transformed me in ways that I still just cannot believe today. And uh and I've gotten to see it happen in other people's lives. And so, you know, I'm a full time uh, consultant with churches and I help them with that. And amongst other things, solving the volunteer crisis and things of that matter, but you know, they keep hiring me. So I guess I'm doing all right. <laughs> You're doing okay. Well, then clearly there is a need for that. Now, listen, before we jump into all the things that's that we want to pass on to our viewers and to our listeners, uh, I want to throw you into a scenario here uh, and kind of, let's see if your, uh, your youth ministry chops are still there, you know? Uh, so you're showing up, you got you got a call 
that your middle school small group leader is not going to be able to show up. You now are assigned then to take the middle school group. Uh, how would you open that session up with a bunch of middle school boys? Such a great question, right? <laughs> it, it is like, I mean, because you you bring in the substitute teacher and those students are just licking their chops like, oh, we're going to get away with anything and everything today. And, uh, you know, so first I, I'd, I'd say it, it it's going to right, depend circumstantially. Like I'm going to take the temperature. Hey, where, where are we? Are these boys like high wound energy or are they kind of low reserved uh, introverted type. And, you know, depending on that temperature, I, I, that would determine what I would probably do. If I'm going to do something fun to open them up, or if I'm going to do something to kind of lock them in and engage them a little bit right. more if they're, but right. I, I would, I'd, I mean, I'd probably start with an icebreaker, honestly, before we jumped into prayer and, uh, you know, the study of discussion, I, I would do an icebreaker so that I can get to know them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, what, and what would that icebreaker be? Let's say they're, let's say they're a little, they're a little high strung. They're a little bit, uh, they're, they're, give me the two scenarios. They're a little high strung and say, oh, we're going to have to, we're going to do the icebreaker. What, what do we do? What's our, what's our go-to? Yeah. If they're high strung, we're not doing some short fun game or something to, you know, kind of, you know, get them energized. We're, we're going to do some question that kind of gets them thinking a little bit and, uh, you know, so, and it, it's it's just real light and simple, but it can reveal a lot about a student, right? It can reveal a lot about them as a person. And, you know, hey, what's your favorite superpower? Uh, it's like, hey, did that student say they wish they were invisible? It's like, okay, well, why? Right, that that can say a lot. Uh, I, I want to be uh, the fastest person. Or I want to be super fast, or I want to be able to fly. I want to be able to teleport. And, hey, travel might be important to that teenager who wants to teleport or uh, that teenager may have control issues if he wants to be Superman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, that would, that would certainly get some eyes open for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, tell everybody a little bit about your background in youth ministry. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, you know, I, I became a Christian at 19, so I didn't even really get to grow up attending a youth ministry. Uh, so when Ooh. I came into the youth ministry world, it was completely new to me in that I had no prior experience as an attendee or as a recipient of a youth ministry that would invest into me. So my experience was I'm coming in, uh, called to ministry, completely blank slate. I just know all the things that the non-youth ministry attendees did that, you know, you're probably not going to bring up in youth ministry. <laughs> uh, I, I had that type of a youth ex, you know, experience, if you will, that was not definitely cookie cutter kind of church culture brought up maybe in a, uh, you know, kind of straight laced family, if you will. And so I had a great family, great upbringing, amazing parents, right? I was very blessed to have that just not, you know, involvement in church and things of that nature. And so uh, my experience in youth ministry coming into it was, I understand how the lost kid thinks. Uh, I understand how the biblically illiterate student teenager coming in thinks the skepticism, the thoughts of questioning, like that That sort of was my, uh, what I brought in in the tool bag as far as being a student pastor. And so I served in student ministry uh, for a bit of a short stint there, enjoyed that, did young adult ministry as well prior to student ministry, a lot of partnership between those, and then went into an adult groups ministry where I worked a lot with student pastor and, and we helped train small group leaders for them. And then from there, I was an executive pastor of discipleship where I helped 
oversee next generation ministries, adult ministry. And so I was overseeing that directly at a higher level. So I've, I've kind of experienced all of it of the outsider to a student ministry in church, mm -hmm. the one on the front lines of warrior, if you will, to, you know, furthering student ministry cause. And then uh, almost in the king seat of seeing it play out and helping guide and mentor and and uh, help set things up so that we could have a successful student ministry. Sure. Did small groups, during your, your stint in youth ministry, did small groups play a part? And what did that look like? Massive. So yeah, when I started my student ministry role uh, as a student pastor, we, we didn't have small groups. And so for me, the only way I really knew how to operate in doing ministry to make disciples was small groups. That was just kind of my MO. That was my DNA. That's what had been discipled into me by uh, my mentor, uh, Pastor Jeff Scott, who is really a disciple of Howard Hendricks. Mm, yeah. 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 The lineage just goes for it, right with Howard Hendricks. That's it. That's it. We talk about a coaching tree, right? In college football, they talk about these coaching trees. Tell you what, that guy, uh, he's got quite the tree. He he sure does. He sure does. And so when I came in, I, I said, all right, well, if I'm going to start building relationships with these students and we're going to really empower and activate our, you know, student ministry, adult volunteers and leaders to be investing into these students, because they were just hungry. I mean, they wanted to have meaningful moments of ministry with these teenagers and these teenagers were craving it themselves. And so what I found was small groups was the place to let that space happen uh, for them to step in. And that was the stage for the spotlight to shine down and for spiritual formation to happen in teenagers' lives, uh, where it wasn't all up to me on a stage, giving a message, although we did those things. It gave me the opportunity for our adult, you know, volunteers and leaders uh, to really emancipate them, like just to free them, take those chains off of like, well, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the student guy. I'm, I'm just kind of here. And, and I was like, no, man, I want you guys full force, just free to minister to these students. And then even on top of that, some of our high school student leaders, for them to have that freedom and they invest into our middle school students. And, and actually our middle school students were far more recipient to a lot of our high school <laughs> student leaders than some of the adults, right? Uh, we, we launched 26 uh, small groups within the first six months of, of me starting that role and getting that going. Wow. That's a lot of small groups. We, we weren't messing around, man. Yeah, it is. It's a decent amount. That's a lot of leaders. It is. Yes. And that's uh, the key. That's the key. You got to have quality leaders. Oh, no question. No question. I know there's probably a lot of youth pastors right here at the beginning of, of 2024. And some youth pastors are starting to think about small groups. They're starting to think about, you know, should we do small groups? And if we should do small groups, how we should do small groups. So what would you say then to youth pastors who are just starting to kind of, you know, begin to think about this? You know, where does uh, where does that youth pastor need to start other than first buying your book? Of course, they should definitely do that, which there'll be links down in the show notes for, for sure. But right now in the initial stages of that, what's that process? What, what should that process kind of look like to them? Sure. That, that's such a good question. The, the thing that I would say first, other than buy my book, right, <laughs> it, it, uh, it would be prayer. Uh, honestly, I have seen God move in the most amazing, miraculous ways where in, in groups ministry for six years, 
Uh, our group's ministry doubled every year for six years. Uh, our student ministry doubled. And, you know, we started all those small groups in, in student ministry. And so, you know, for me, first, it's prayer, man. Just getting on my hands and knees before the Lord, just laboring and petitioning before the Lord to do the things that I want to see happen, but I can't in my own power. So that that's where I would advise any student pastor to start as much energy as you got, as many Red Bulls as you drank for breakfast, like just kind of center, get on your hands and knees before the Lord, and just plead with him to do the things you can't do. So that's first, but at a practical level, like orthopractic, I would say that uh, you really got to answer the question. And, and this is what I, you know, I help churches walk through when we consult and we coach them is what are the outcomes that you want to see out of doing small groups, right? Like, don't just start small groups for the sake of starting small groups to say, Hey, we have another program that's offered here. Uh, you you need to begin uh, or you need to set the end in mind, have that in mind before you can begin or you don't know where you're going to be going. I mean, what, what are you driving towards with having small groups in your student ministry? So man, what are the outcomes do you want? Do you want to see them read their Bible? Do you want to see them share their faith more? Do you want to see them mobilized to begin serving in and through your local church more? Do you want to you know, see off-campus groups started that cultivate deep, meaningful relationships with one another that is inclusive to other students that might otherwise have a click going. And, and so you got to just write down in right on paper, if it's not written, it's not real. <laughs> uh, you, what are the outcomes you want? And then from your outcomes, then you can kind of build backwards and figure out, okay, well, what does the journey towards that look like? Um, and so a, a very distinct, measurable, here are the outcomes. And uh, there, there's a ton of different ways that you can do it, right? Ton of different ways you can structure and set up small groups. And uh, I think there's a ton of resources and books out there on how to do that. My book's not necessarily about how to structure those things. It's really how to help train your group leaders who are going to lead those groups with your students and your teenagers. Uh, but looking at, hey, how do I want to structure this so that my leaders are positioned properly to truly achieve the outcomes that we're hoping to see the Lord do in and through our people. Yeah. And uh, let me, let me piggyback on that because a part of the initial, after you're, 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 you've prayed and you want the, you come up with your outcomes. My guess is it's a lot easier to figure out what kind of leaders you need to, uh, to fulfill that because your leader choices if your leader choices don't match your your outcomes, that's going to be a very difficult <laughs> that's going to be a very difficult process for you because a lot of times you pick you know you have an outcome but you'll pick anybody. Tell me about how your book, you know, points to that as far as the training of leaders and how important that is. Oh man, it, it is. I mean, I think it's everything as far as like as far as doing ministry. If you want to see your ministry grow, if you want to see your church grow. It comes down to discovering, developing, deploying new leaders. I think that's exactly what Jesus did. I just think that was the biblical model he gave us, went and found his 12 disciples, invested in them for three and a half years. You don't need to take that long to onboard new volunteers in your ministry, but, you know, uh, but that, and then Jesus sent them out to go and bear much fruit, right? To, to multiply right. what he had invested into them. And so when it comes down to identifying uh, specific leaders, what you want those outcomes in your group's ministry, or sorry, your small group's ministry to be uh, for students, it it needs to really match the type of person. So like if you've got a, a leader who's primarily lecture-based and they've taught Sunday school for your student ministry, 
uh, in a, in a group setting. Well, if you're trying to be more relational and have deep meaningful, like that's not the right leader to do that, right? That's going to be a problem. It's going to be some iron sharpening iron in the, in the types of sparks that you don't necessarily want. Yeah. If you're trying to theologically inform your students, the highly relational facilitator in your student small group is not necessarily what you want. In that case, you would want that lecturer in there who can man, just bring it and give them good, deep uh, theological information. But it it's it just depends. Are you looking for content? Are you looking for community? Are you looking for a blend of, of both? And so setting those outcomes will help you determine that's the type of leader I need. And those are the types of qualities I need. Uh, I need a patient, you know, leader who listens, or I need a high energy leader who can just, I mean, just get people going. And some of that might depend even on the types of students. Like we talked about at the very beginning with the icebreaker, are they kind of re reserved? Are they amped up? And how you pair a leader with those students may also play into some of that. That's right. Yeah. If you have a leader who doesn't like icebreakers or, or anything like that, they're like, <laughs> They're resistant to it. Uh, you may want, may want to rethink that, but it, it reminds me, I just got through doing a, a, a training this weekend and they said that they have somebody, uh, I asked, it was Q and a time and the, you know, the pastor, youth pastor said, Hey, listen, I have a guy who, that, uh, that I is in my art teaching roundup, right? They, they, you know, schedule, but, but my kids, they try to find out when he's teaching and they don't want to show up for that. They don't want to show up for that style of 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 talk. And so to speak right. to that of how important choosing your leaders are, not just choosing them, but training them, kids are voting with their feet. They're going to vote with their attendance mm -hmm. as to whether or not who that leader is going to be. A hundred percent. That That is typically how they do. You know, they say uh, you can vote with your feet or with your pocketbook, but, you know, teenagers... Yep. They're going to vote with their feet, you either show up or not show up. And, you know, I'd, I'd tack one other thing on there to that question of, you know, where should student pastors start as far as finding out, you know, how to get this thing going with small groups. If your church, and not most churches don't have this, but if they have a small groups person on staff uh, at a full-time or a bivocational capacity, I would tap that resource. And when you can blend and kind of build off the foundation that exists there with adult ministry, small groups that it can help so much to just sort of streamline that into your ministry because the temptation and sort of, you know, the blessing and the curse of student ministry is it's almost like it's an own church inside of a church. Mm. <laughs> you got yeah. your own assimilation process. You got your own small group, product, you got your own, you know, service evangelism. And, and so when you do that, you can just overload yourself and, if there are some people on staff there who could speak into that or just give you existing structures and resources and trainings, yep. uh, that would so just push you down the road far further. Yeah. And possibly even offer you some leaders that may come out of these small groups. Like who would you recommend that maybe they're ready to step out of a small group and lead a small group for a season maybe? Absolutely. So one of the things that we found out, so the the group leader training resource, the book that we put together over six years, we had over a thousand group leaders go through that training in six years. And so we collected data, we asked questions. And one of the interesting things that we discovered as we went through that was 75% of people who went through that 
training, which was for adult small groups ministry, right? 75% became a leader. The other 25% all started serving in some capacity. It was either kids ministry, student ministry was the really the popular one, or just in some other capacity. And so what you may find is there are those who will go through that training with you know, you're maybe adult ministry, small group person or executive pastor or lead pastor, whatever size church you've got there. And they may say, I don't want to do adults, but I think I'm feeling led to do small group ministry with teenagers. And and you can just, man, really benefit from that. Yeah. Where do I sign you up? Where? <laughs> Please sign yeah. this contract uh, for, for the next six weeks. Um, before we get more, I, I, I want to talk more about the book. But I want to give you, uh, ask you a few questions, uh, just some practical type things like how long should a small group run for, right? There, there are people think, you know, well, does it run forever? Does it run through the summer? Does it run all year? Give a sense of how long a, a small group could or should run for, especially with teenagers. Yeah, that's going to go right back to the initial question of what do you want the outcomes to be of your small group? And so like if it's more content driven than doing them seasonally, like six weeks here, 12 weeks there, that's probably going to be a more fitting structure. Now, if you're looking for like longevity of relationships that your volunteers are getting to, I mean, really forge with these teenagers, then man, having these groups go for a long time. And so what we, we did is, you know, we would start a new group. And the expectation was, Hey, this is a for life group. Now Ooh, they know wow. they never, Yeah. I, I write. And that sounds pretty daunting. We, we didn't, we weren't like, Hey, you're stuck in this for the rest of your life. Right. There wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. we promoted a little better than that. Right. And, sure. Sure. But the, the expectation was just, Hey, we're after deep meaningful relationships. Cause that's where we believe the most transformation is going to happen. And so what we did see practically was as people were fellowshipping together, they were growing and then they mobilized because we would train our group leaders how to mobilize their members in the group to serve. Uh, we, we, we sort of duplicated ourselves into these people or replicated ourselves into our leaders. How do you get your group members starting to serve and contribute into the kingdom and not just be consumers, but contributors to the cause of Christ and then also how to share their faith. And so as they were, kind of moving the needle forward and from a consumer to a contributor, right. uh, we saw that people felt called to go start their own group and to make their own disciples of Christ. And so there was multiplication happening uh, about every two to three years, just organically and naturally as God kind of called them out and, and sent them into another group plant, if you will, within the same you know church or same ministry, if you uh, just so there's not confusion in some of my language, but uh, some of the cultural language that, that I've used or we've used. Uh, so, you know, length, again, it's just going to be determined by, well, what do you want out of this? Is this going to be more content driven? Is it going to be more community driven? I've seen student ministries, and I really like this model, where you have a student, uh, small group, adult leader, right? The adult leader of a group, and they go with students from all the way from sixth grade through 12th grade. They see him for six years and graduate him out. And there's just a lot of beautiful things about some things with that, that, that I've seen. And those teenagers coming back to visit and just spend time with that small group leader, who's now a person who's invested in them that will forever uh, carry with that teenager uh, for the rest of their life. 
that relationship, the investment. I mean, just just so much, and it's a it's a foundation, a pillar for them to go back to that formed them in a in a very crucial point in their life. Yeah, that's such a good point. There are those groups that I've heard of where does, and that's one of the questions I think to, uh, that youth pastors are asking: Do I keep the same adult leader, and they're going to see them through? They're going to travel with them. In other words, their small group, as as long as their leader is available and open to it, will travel with them through. Uh, the twelfth grade, uh, and like you said, it's, it's significant. It's it's a significant for many of these students to have that same group leader. Um, are there any other are there any other, what, what are there any other models you'd recommend too that says okay, well, you, one choice is this is a forever group that this leader is going to travel. Would there be another model or another suggestion you would offer that uh, as far as um, a model of a small group? Oh yeah. There's, there's so many out there. Right. And so there's a common phrase that I've learned uh, from a mentor, good friend. And uh, he says this, he says, pick your model, pick your problem. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Pick your model, pick your problem. Uh, I got that from Jared Musgrove. And so uh, he, he was at the village. He's at the well community church now and in Argyle, Texas, but I mean, just godly, godly man loves the Lord and uh, t tons of respect for him. So yeah, I mean, another model, because like you may be in a high transient culture where your adult leaders come in and they're only here for two years. There might be a military base nearby. It might be our main volunteer base, our interns from the local you know, college that's nearby, and they're here for two years and then they're gone. And, and so you may want to consider we need to do semester base or we need to do, hey, you're with uh, students for one year in a group. And I mean, there are other models that, you know, instead of just meeting on campus as student ministry, they can meet in homes and there's some, you know, different unique challenges that need to be considered there. Uh, I think it's important to have multiple leaders, a part of a group. And I think there's some big benefits there considering mid-sized groups of not just eight and then hope all of them show up. Cause if six of them are out, you've only got two there, uh, you know, so considering, all right, well, let's have 15 to 20 teenagers in one group if that you know makes sense on your scale uh, but for the most part whatever model you're going to look at it can scale up or down and and you just got to figure out man what what are we trying to do and what makes sense with our culture let me move on to this because i, I want to start moving into your book a little bit too um what do you say the difference is between because i know your book talks about fellowship you know what you know talks about those things but what is the difference between community and fellowship on the surface they seem the same that you can build community and fellowship, but is there a difference between the two? Right. Yeah, completely different. And this is a nuance I didn't really understand that uh, I just jumped in. I would say, hey, let's get in and let's find community. Let's find community. And then come to realize like, hey, you don't find community. You forge community. It happens over digging in, investment, text messages, phone calls, late nights, consistent meeting with people over coffee or in the group or, I mean, it's so many different forms or ways and fashions. So I, I was an ice hockey player, right? I grew up playing ice hockey. And so my community was found in the teammates I played ice hockey with. And, you know, just like football, man, there's a deep bond there. And, and so there's a deep community. And then when I, you know, I get out of that, I get into the church, you know, 19, 20 years of age. And I'm going, man, this is not the same type of community. Like this isn't, I don't sense the same depth of community that I had in sports. 
And so I had to find some language to help me navigate that in my heart to go, okay, well, that was community, but what I'm doing with these people, this is fellowship. And here's the biblical difference, right? Biblically, this is the definition of, of the two, is community is here now, and it's for a season, but fellowship is forever. Uh, fellowship with God, right, allows mm-hmm. me to have fellowship with brothers and sisters in the faith. And so what I do in building and forging a relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ now, it lasts forever. Yep. I, I, I am investing in making these relationships that we're just starting and we're going to, and we're going to increase more and more for all of eternity. And so I say, Hey, we're making forever friends. That's, that's how I kind of term that. Well, let me go ahead and ask this. How does one, I know we say that we do small groups because we want to do discipleship. Okay. How does a youth pastor measure discipleship in a small group beyond attendance? Right. They say, well, they're attending the small group. Therefore, disciples are being made <laughs> that, you know, that 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 they make they make that correlation while well, they're showing up. So therefore, that's what's happening. But you tell us, how does that how, how what's a is there a, is there a better way to measure discipleship other than saying, well, they're showing up for the small group? Yes. Yes. So what I have often said to churches that I work with or I consult is. There are quantitative measurements and there are qualitative measurements. And when you look at a group, I think the biggest win of a group is not how often they meet, you know, attendance wise at their weekly meeting, but how often do they communicate and get together outside of the scheduled meeting time? And that's true for adults. That's true for teenagers. And some of those things you just can't measure. You cannot look and go, wow, they really have the fruits of the spirit increase from a one to like a 10 now. Like you, <laughs> you, you can't necessarily quantify those things. That's right. And so right, there's, there are immeasurable spiritual qualities that begin to be cultivated in these teenagers' lives. And the, I think the only way that you can recognize, acknowledge, measure, and then therefore celebrate those is through those relationships being built with the adult leader or the small group leader. And, and, and so, I mean, you can do spiritual growth assessments. You can do some different things like that to help them quantify it. I think those are good. Can't put all your stock into those things. There's always some piece that doesn't get a holistic picture and look at measuring. All right. Well, hey, are they here more often than they were before? That attendance. I think that's good. Attendance tells you not how spiritually mature they are, but the trajectory has it stayed the same or has it increased for them to be spiritually formed in the image of Christ? Uh, that That's what attendance tells you. And so is their character being changed over the last two years? Uh, that small group leader is going to be able to go, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have matured significantly in this area, in this area, in this area. Uh, they have grown up right before. And that, I mean, that truly is right. I mean, middle school, high school, those some of the biggest grown up that you can see in a physical sense in an emotional sense. And, you know, they get a front row seat to be a part of that. So, you know, attendance is not going to be your primary measurement. It, uh, I mean, that's going to be one that tells you how high is a student's trajectory or not, because if they're not showing up, they're going to lose that opportunity to build a relationship to see spiritual formation to begin happen. Uh, Is Bible reading happen? Uh, Are they moving from consumer to contributor? I think that's one of the biggest measurements that you can track is, are they serving in some type of ministry in this ministry and through the local church? Or 
I mean, outside of that, I mean, and, and ascribing value to that too. And getting to hear, right. So just very practical level, be like, Hey, Adam, that sounds good. How do I, you know, actually practically kind of gauge is character formation happening? Uh, you're going to know most through the stories that you hear from your small group leaders, um, getting to hear those stories, life change, life transformation. Those I think are going to be the most powerful ways and some of the most insightful ways for you to measure is discipleship happening. And th wow, there's a lot there. And I hope if you're watching this, I hope you're taking notes because if you're, if you're not taking notes on this, you're going to miss some of those little things that right there is telling you what a small group leader should be looking for because that's the question that will be asked of your, you should be asking your leaders is how will they know discipleship is happening? And then when you ask the question, then, then that adult leader or whoever may be leading can tell you and say, yeah, I've seen this. I, what something I like to do is I say, tell me a story, right? They can tell me they had six kids or eight kids, or they played a game or they did a thing. I like to say, tell me a story about somebody in your small group or tell me a story about some interaction you had with a, with a student, which then would tell me something else beyond just facts or stats or those type of things. But you're able to say, Hey, this is what I'm noticing or seeing because of an interaction I had uh, through this, through whatever may have happened. Yeah. That, that I love that. That is such a good system. I mean, yeah, I, it, it's just going to come down to, Hey, what, What's your system to do that and to try and gauge and to measure? Uh, is it going to be the relational conversation one on one? Is it going to be in a small, you know, a, a student ministry volunteer leader meeting? And hey, come up here and share a story. You know, uh, it, it can it can all depend. But um, we do have uh, we've been working on this, and so this is something we'll be we'll be making free to anyone who could find value in this. But a uh, top tips for student ministry, small group leaders. Uh, oh, so that's wow, a, great. Yes. That's a, that's a resource we've developed a lot of it, you know, uh, pull stuff from the group leader training book. And so I think probably in the next month, we'll have that ready just to put out there and anyone can download that for free to just use and help equip some of their small group leaders. I'm going to put that link, uh, when it is ready to go, I'll put that link down in the show notes so that you can go ahead and grab that for yourself. So be sure to check the show notes, uh, if it's if it's not there right now, should keep checking it and say, oh, I, I really want that. Of course, we'll give uh, websites and those type of things because I'm sure it'll be available uh, wherever the book's available, wherever the uh, you know wherever the the resource on your um, on your website and so forth will be available. I imagine. Can you give everybody the website real quick? Buildgroups.net is where you can go and find out. We have dozens of free discipleship resources. If you make a free account on there, just for you to be able to benefit from. Again. Uh, buildgroups.net. So as we begin to start to kind of close things out a little bit, let me ask you about churches that have small youth groups or, you know, small churches with small youth groups. What is a, what do you advise, you know, because uh, I know some people think, well, Paul, I am a small group. I, I can't do small groups because I think that's a trendy word. I think that's a trendy phrase that, that small groups requires you to have multiple campuses and 24 homes in the community and you know you have all this stuff that that in reality if you have a small group right how does this how do these principles transfer into a group of let's say seven to ten students that you might have in your youth ministry right now yes so 
you know, earlier I said there's a ton of books out there on how to structure small groups ministry, whether it's adult or student level. Mm-hmm. And my resource in particular is all about, you know, it's a workbook all about helping equip the group leader, the small right. group leader. And so getting into at the actual meeting time and discuss, well, what does that look like? What are the interpersonal parts of that that I need to pay attention to? Or I need to try or I need to be conscious of and helping the fellowship, the study, the prayer, growth. How do I, how do I make the most of that opportunity to mobilize someone to serve and to share their faith And that, you know, what you do in that group models, what they will probably do in their own walk with the Lord. And so I would say, if you've got a student ministry of eight students, and that is your small group, that's your whole ministry. Uh, I would say, be the best small group leader that you can be. Because if you can be that then and there at that size that you are currently, you'll be so prepared to help model and bring along the next adult volunteer or leader. Uh, When you start to scale up as God entrusts to you more souls of teenagers to steward and to see spiritually formed, I'd say for now, just be the very thing that you hope others would be as you begin to grow. you can still also put a plan together to structure, to scale uh, as you get larger. And and so I do that with a lot of churches. I work with churches from the sizes of over 8,000 all the way down to 100. And it's funny, they all have the same problems. <laughs> uh, some of them just have a little bit bigger hole because they have more people to you know steward. And, and so with smaller churches, I find it so fun and exciting to help them build out uh, that structure that is scalable for them when they hit 200, 400, 800, 1,000. And so they are far ahead of the eight ball. And so if your group is eight, I'd say, man, be the best small group leader you can be and prepare to structure that is scalable. Right. And I think that's important to say too, that if you are the youth pastor of a group of seven to eight, this book is your training manual. You, this is, you are the leader, right? So you are, you are instructing yourself on things like, you know, what is a healthy, what is a healthy, you know, small group? What is a discipleship small group? What is, what are the elements that are a part of, you know, uh, of being a good leader for a small group uh, is in this book? Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so, and so if you're, if you're listening, you're watching uh, and you are, and like I said, this book is either for you as a, you're the, of a small church, it's for you. If you have a larger youth group, it's for you. If you have a super big youth group, it's for you. It's about training your leaders and it's about training. Uh, yeah, you'll get ideas like like uh, Adam said about structure and those type of things. But if you're looking for to develop the leaders, you got to have the right kind of leaders. Otherwise, your small groups aren't going to work anyway. Uh, you know, then you want to be sure that you're doing the training first and foremost for yourself. So tell me then, Adam, tell me about small group leader training course and the workbook and how it equips churches to build healthy groups and disciples. What What is in, in this that's, that's going to uh, help the leader of a small youth group, seven, eight students, and that's going to help the the youth pastor that has to manage a group of 100? 100%, yes. So there, there's a ton of great resources out there, and I saw some that were really good on the theological side, some that were really good at the practical, best practices side. And some were really good at heart level, relational. And I just wanted to make something that had all those things just mashed into one. And 
and it wasn't a book you read, but it was a workbook that you, you know, went through. And so it's a five session training, uh, depending on, you know, what pace you want to go at, you can do it five weeks in a row. You can do it every other week for 10 weeks. You can do it once a month for five months. And so it's all based on acts two, 42 through 47, right? The, the fellowship growth devoted themselves, the apostles teaching, uh, some of the belonging service, and then the Lord adds their number day by day, those who are being saved. And so the five sessions are, what is a healthy group and a healthy leader? We give a leader assessment tool that you can provide. It's a template that we offer on our website. You can download and adjust to whatever you want, customize that template to say, hey, fill this out before you serve in our ministry. Just you know, just assess where you are, what's your strengths, your weaknesses, what's your likes, your dislikes, uh, what, you know, what's your understanding of this biblically? How would you rate yourself on a scale of one to five of biblical knowledge or of leadership or of, you know, just building relationships, period. You know, so all those different things that are in that, that we've developed over the years and seen has helped us give a lot of insight into who could be a potential good leader or who, you know, isn't. And so first one, what is a healthy group, healthy leader, fellowship, how to build meaningful relationships uh, that last forever. Three, grow. How do you help these teenagers grow? It's not just a session on uh, how do you study the Word of God. I think there's a lot of resources out there, but this is more the interpersonal. How do you help students move forward in their faith and progress? Three, how do you help mobilize them to begin serving? Very practical, good stuff that works at all age groups. And then four, how do you begin sharing your faith communally together as a group? Like, how do you just get this teenagers, small group, just on fire to share the word, share the word of God and share the gospel with uh, their lost friends? And and so, yeah, all that is in there. It, there's videos based online for that complements each session. There are doctrinal assessments as well that are very fun and exciting. It's not like an interrogation, like some of those things can feel like it's when my leaders have gone through it, they're just like, man, this is so fun. And they have such great conversation. So that that's a bit of what is in that. And there's more information that gives a whole overview outline of that training before you would purchase it at buildgroups.net slash GLT, GLT for group leader training. Well, and fantastic. I, I, if you're watching and listening, you want to go over to the website. The website will, once again, the link will be down below. And the the leadership training, the whether like I said, whether you're training yourself, which you should train yourself first <laughs> because that's important so you can train others, uh, but also you have this, uh, this, this systematic way of doing things that builds level upon level, precept upon precept, so to speak, where you can then move your leaders from moving, just being able just to teach a thing. There's plenty of, that's the thing, right? There's plenty of teachers who love to teach, but the leaders you're looking for are the ones who are going to move the ball ahead. They're going to move, they're going to move progressively, uh, move their group from phase or phase to stage to stage uh, in that dynamic to be able to do that. And that's what these, that's what these sessions are going to do. They're going to help you get your leaders on track to say, look, these are how our small groups are designed. These are the kind of leaders we want. This is where we want to be able to move our students. And that's why the videos and the training is so important. Yes, that hit every single facet that you can think of in a systematic approach. 
it is pre-built turnkey so you don't have to reinvent the wheel that that's why i put that resource together to free you up to do more ministry and not feel like you got to write all these different things and get them together when maybe that's not your gifting well adam thank you so much for being a part today i appreciate you being on the show what are some other what is, if people have questions or they want to contact you or reach out to you on social or other places. What are the best places people can reach out to you to ask more questions? You can shoot me a text message at 434-444-6376. That's my cell phone. That That's not just, you know, that that's my legit number. That's, that's a risky business there and I'm doing it. Uh, so you can shoot me a text or you can check me out on Facebook Instagram, Adam Ehrlichman or build groups. We've got two different, you know, pages and accounts and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, I would love to connect, answer questions, hear what you got going on and man, just see how we can work together to advance the kingdom. That's, that's my heart. Adam, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing your time. Thank you for sharing this resource to help train leaders to be better small group leaders, to make better disciples. Mm. Amen. Thanks for having me on, Paul. This is this is fun. I really enjoyed it. This is my heart and passion. I can keep you here for hours, just locked down on the mic and the and in, in the video. So thank you. Thank you. And that is it for today's show, everybody. Let me remind you, do not launch your small groups until you have led your small group leaders through this course. Because if you don't want people running in various directions, you want to train your leaders. So be sure to train them all together. Use Adam's stuff. And I would go as far to say, don't launch your small groups until you've done the training with your leaders, because I think it's going to be of great benefit to them. And you get all on the same page running in the same direction. And I have put the link down below to where you can purchase the workbook and all the good stuff and the website and all the things. So Check it out and get your small groups off to a great start. And listen, if you're brand new to the show and you got a lot of value out of this podcast, go ahead and click that subscribe button and you'll get episodes like this in your box every week. And don't forget, if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a good job, let me tell you, you're doing a great job and you're only going to get better. See you all in the next episode.